This week on the Recruitment Flex, job numbers are out for March and they look good, or do they? College graduates can't find jobs. Maybe trade school would have been a better idea. And find out what happens when you put whites only in your job ad. The Recruitment Flex starts right after this message from our partner, Rectex. Shelly, let's face it. Texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And mm. it's not even legally compliant. Mm, this is where our friends at Rectex come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters. So you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, what is going on with Shelly? Well, let me tell you, lots going on with Shelly. Lots going on. Tell me. Well, I want to tell you, but then you you always accuse me of bragging. So I was nominated again for the RBC Woman Entrepreneur of the Year Awards by my bank manager. So 2021, 2022, and then again in 2023. So that's big news. Has it been the bank manager that's nominated you the three times? I've had a new bank manager every year. And so what okay. they do is when they get a new client, they sit down with you. They want to take a look through your books and your financial statements and what have you. But yeah, it's been a different bank manager every year. So tell me more about that, because I know the hubbub you went through the last couple of years when you did it. Not to be cynical here. I'm going to be a little bit cynical. Is there okay. real value here? Is it just like another award that they want you to pay? I know RBC is a very strong brand in Canada, yeah. so there's a lot of credibility that goes with that. But yeah. Well, okay. They usually get somewhere between eight and 10,000 nominations across Canada. Then you can accept the nomination. So you go in and you have to answer some basic questions. Are you profitable? Are you a woman-owned business? There's just some basic qualifying questions. From there, once you accept the nomination, then you fill in an application. And that's where the real work comes in. To answer your question, is it legit? It absolutely is because it goes from, say, 10,000 people nominated then the acceptance of the nomination would probably drop to about, I think, something like 700. Then from those 700, they select 12 finalists. If you're selected as a finalist, KPMG comes in and audits your application to ensure that everything that you claimed is legitimate. The judges are business people and past winners and they don't disclose who the judges are until the finalists are announced. In terms of legit awards search, I would say they are the most legitimate in Canada because there's others like Women of Inspiration Award. There's Women of the Day Award. There's all kinds of things where 
it is recognition for having done something significant, but not necessarily the auditors in place, shall we say, to ensure that everything is done and is auditable. Shelly, I don't doubt that it's legit. I'll ask the second part, is it worth it to go through this process? Mm. Because I'll, I'll tell you, when I see award winner for whatever, it doesn't change my impression of that person or that business. So are you going to bother to go through that whole process again? Or is it like, oh, great, I got nominated. It's fantastic and just move on. Mm. Yeah, good question. When I see who's won year over year, because there's only one category that I qualify for, Making it into the finals is absolutely worth it. The promotion from RBC across Canada of your business is a good hundred grand, I think modestly, in terms of marketing and being promoted. You can't buy that. Is it worth it for me to do it? I guess you don't know if you don't try. But when you look at the companies who have won in this category, they're usually pretty significant employers, 10 years in business two or 300 employees, their call centers or something that is providing employment for a high number of Canadians. I think there is huge return on investment. Am I going to do it? Yes. Making the finals would be a big deal. I'll disagree with that, but uh, good luck. I'll support you in any way. So what is it that you don't see as legit? I think any of these awards that you have to go through this significant amount of process and time and distraction to your business and other things that you do is not worth it. That's just my personal opinion, but it is a massive small. It is hard for a small company. I'm coming up to 10 years in business search and to get noticed on a national stage, especially for a Western Canadian based firm, I don't have the marketing budget to do that. So this is certainly one way to be elevated within the business community. It is legit. I'm not going to argue, but I think you overestimate the impact. But Shelly, I will support you, but I can also be cynical in the back end. On that note, we are going to unleash in two weeks. How excited are you? I can't believe it's two weeks away. I'm so looking forward to it because it's going to be so nice there. Like the weather. But more importantly, we're lined up to do some really fun things as well. And talk to some really cool people. I think this time I'm going to keep a little tighter leash on you. I'm not going to let you run off without me. I don't want to be tethered to you all the time, Shelly. Well, you walk like two miles an hour. I just love running everywhere, seeing everything. And you're more like slow pace. That's just how you are. So why do you need to keep a leash on me? At Unleash. That goes. Unleash. Uh- <laughs> Well, I heard a rumor that you might participate in the Bellagio fountain cannons and get high first and then watch the cannons go off. Is that a real thing? Like, you're really going to do that? It's a networking event. It's called Talent Tope. (laughs) And there are some very influential people that will be attending. And as you know, I want to be where the crowd is. And I'm not adverse to- What did they call it? Talent Tope. Talent toke. Okay. So obviously pot's legal in Nevada. Yes. But you can you smoke it like just out in public? I guess you can. I guess we'll find out. If I do end up in prison in Las Vegas, there is tons of bail bonds. So I do expect that you're going to come bail me out. 
I am sure Evan, who's or is it edibles? Are you all doing edibles? I have no clue. I just said yes. They asked me, and I said yes. Or actually, I asked people, but then they came back and asked. (laughs) Can I come? (laughs) Your search. Can I come? Can I? Can I? Can I come? Well, I I invited you, Shelly, but you decided not to partake in that. I'll come along. I'll come along. You can't do that. I'll come along and watch you. You (laughs) can't do that, Shelly. Oh, cannot do that. I've been uninvited then. Well, you said no, so I didn't get you a ticket. So unfortunately, it's it's too late. But you know what I did this time? I book less pre-interviews with people. I want to be way more off the cuff. We talk to someone interesting, be like, here, let's go record 10 minutes. It's going to be way less schedule as far as the people we have to talk to up front. But I think we're going to have the opportunity to talk to a lot more interesting people. I'm really excited. In other news, the Canadian Recruiter Networking Group has announced their event for May 11th here in Calgary. I don't think the location has been stamped yet, but it's coming really Mm -hmm. soon, right? Absolutely. Yes, it is confirmed for May 11th, and the location should be announced in the next day or two. We'll make sure to share that on our socials once we know. So in other news, the Canadian job numbers came out. Canada added 35,000 jobs in March, which was about three times more than expected. It's a couple of industries that did really well. So transportation and warehousing added 41,000 jobs. Building and other support services, around 31,000 jobs. And finance, insurance, and real estate, rental and leased, added 19,000 jobs. Jobs that were down, construction down, 19,000 workers. Is that telling us something? Other services, which is repair services, personal, 11,000. Very important to us here in Alberta is natural resources. We're down 11,000 jobs. I think there are signs that we are in an environment where the macro numbers, as far as how many jobs we're adding, is seeming really positive, but there's a lot of concerning signs that are coming. The U.S., on the other hand, same massive job numbers, 236,000. And their unemployment rate is now at 3.5%, which is insane. Anyone that really wants to work is working. The other interesting thing that I heard on another podcast, 1.5% unemployment rate in the tech industry. So Shelly, let's move to the tip of the week. What do you have for us this week? Okay. Tip of the week is we know that cost per applicant is coming. It already exists on some platforms such as ZipRecruiter, but Indeed is also moving to cost per applicant in Canada. Right now, it's only small business that may or may not have it. Start planning for it. Make sure that when you post a job that you actually book right in your Outlook calendar to check your applicants every single day. I'm not saying spend hours a day, but 20 minutes once a day to reject candidates that are not a fit. Because cost per applicant If you wait longer than 72 hours, you will be charged for them. Start the practice now of always checking on a daily basis who's applied and action those applicants. Reject them if they need to be rejected because otherwise you'll be charged for them. Yeah. 
I think that's great advice because the 72 hours are going to be critical. And if you think about it, it could mean a lot of money. Say your average cost per applicant is going to be $20. Well, that adds up. You've got 100 applicants mm -hmm. that applied from overseas that would not be a fit. Well, if you're not rejecting them, you are getting charged. So definitely put in your calendar, check your candidates every day. And honestly, Shelly, shouldn't you be doing that anyways? especially in sectors like hospitality, retail, that really you need to move quickly or lose them. You would think so, Serge, but unless you're in a recruitment team where that's how you've been trained or taught, or depending on where you work, that's how you used to do it, because speed in which you respond to somebody is really important. It's a good reminder. That's why we call it the tip of the week. Just a good or reminder. Just a tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into recruiting insights. I'm going to kick it off with something that seems to be really topical right now, new grad hiring, new grad recruiting. There was a great article that talked about those that are graduating here in 2023. They are entering one of the oddest job markets and rightfully so. I mean, when we look back over the last three years, those that came out in 2020, a lot of them had to pivot, make changes. But now we're looking at the 2023 crop. And interestingly enough, companies are struggling to hire $90,000 a year truck driver jobs. Yet they are absolutely inundated with MBA grads when they're offering only, say, $60,000 a year. And I know you've talked about it for years. This is the danger of not actively advertising and recruiting people into trades. We're seeing it right here, right now in 2023, where even jobs that pay a whole lot more can't get filled. And we've got people with MBAs by the bucketfuls. Serge, when I found this article, I thought I know what Serge is going to say. <laughs> exactly what I predicted. Well, I'm going to blame this on the boomers and I'm going to blame this on you, Shelly, as well, because we've talked about this on the show before of how your kids had no option but to go to university. The baby boomers really demonize trades and working a job that you are not going to university for 30 years. And we are now bearing the fruit of that. We've got a bunch of people coming out of school with degrees that are absolutely useless in this new economy that is extremely competitive as well. So you're coming out and there's literally five roles in all of the US and you're 50 that just graduated. We're seeing that in many sectors. I am not surprised by this. I thought the article was really interesting in highlighting that labor market challenge that we're seeing. It's a skill mismatch. We've got way too many people of one type and not enough of the other. And unfortunately, we're struggling hiring garbage men. And garbage men is a real job, one that is absolutely critical, but we demonize those types of jobs throughout the years. I'm sounding like a politician that leans towards blue collar, but I'll tell you, coming from a blue collar family, I'm definitely not blue collar. It would never been a fit for me, but I think for those people with boys or girls growing up that had some interest, instead of encouraging it, we detract it and we still see it to this day. Although the times are changing because the job market has changed dramatically. So not surprised at all, Shelly. I knew you'd How do we that. fix it? How do we fix it though? 
how do we start getting people into trades? Because the older generation of Gen X is retiring, the baby boomers, we have no one to build anything. Like we can't 100% rely on knowledge. I know it is a knowledge economy, but who's going to build shit? It does come down to brand and advertising. And luckily, I'm in that business. And, you know, honestly, Serge, I don't think there's all that much news in this article because, you know, in any given year, how many people who graduated university are working in the field in which their degree is? And I think it's one third. So the reality is that these MBAs will end up having to maybe get a class one driver's license and go work for a great company like Waste Management. They're a huge global corporation. I do want to move into the next recruitment insight. I thought this was really interesting because it was actually an article that was written 20 years ago and then ERE.net resurfaced it. And when you Mm -hmm. read it, you had no clue that it was an old article. And I did not know as well until I saw the blurb below saying this is a flashback series. Everything that was 20 years ago applies directly to now. The article talks about for many years, HR generalists paid little attention to recruiting unless it was at the executive level. The recruiters were expected to quickly fill the -the run-of-the-mill positions without involving HR staff too much. But as the economy has worsened, generalists are seeing the CEOs talk about recruitment. They talk about getting the best talent and they're like, oh shit, let me get my paws in here and get more involved in the recruitment practice because they're feeling threatened in some ways, which is still a shocker because we're not laying off HR people, we're laying off recruiters, which is crazy because the value in the organization is definitely there. So this has led to some territorial fights, internal bickering, and a lot of confusion over HR and recruitment, especially in large organizations. Are you shocked by this, that this was happening 20 years ago and is still happening to this day? I think it's HR generalists, like those that have their fingers in many pies, because HR is usually one of the first departments to become aware that they're going to be restructuring or laying people off. I think it's really unusual that HR wouldn't know about it. Covering your own ass, I think it's a very normal human behavior when they see that if we're going to get rid of recruiters and generalists, I've seen some recruiters try and move into HR, which goes back to the classic, if you are using recruitment as your springboard into HR, because you're right, what you said was, It is HR generalists that aren't being laid off, it's recruiters. And so the bickering kind of goes both ways. And so does the territorial thinking goes both ways where recruiters are like, oh, now's the time to pivot into an HR generalist role, which is, you know, they never really wanted to be in recruitment. When we talk about the differentiation between HR generalists and recruitment and where they sit in the process, like I'll say this over and over, recruiters should always be focused on the relationships, building the relationships internally with the hiring managers, but also with the candidates, creating that network, being a specialist in their field. They know everyone that is in that particular sector that they're trying to recruit for. Give the internal interviews, the paperwork, the scheduling, the processing, give that to HR because they're way better than you are, but you are way better at those relationships, at networking and finding the right candidate. It is a different skill set. 
But now I want to move to the next recruitment insight, which I absolutely thought was crazy. So recently, a company called Arthur Grand Technologies reportedly posted an ad on Indeed for a business analyst position with the note, only born U.S. citizen, in brackets, white, who are local within 60 miles from Dallas, and in bracket, don't share with candidate. So initially, Arthur Gregg posted on LinkedIn saying, we conducted an investigation and discovered the new junior recruiter at our firm was responsible for the offending job posting. We have taken immediate action and terminated their employment for violating our policy. They got a lot of pushback being, all right, yeah, blame it on the junior recruiter. Then suddenly the day after, let's revise our statement, which to me makes it even more fishy. Company revised her statement saying the former employer had taken a past job listing and added discriminatory language before he reposted it through his own account. So basically, they retracted that it was a junior recruiter. Now they're saying it's an employee that doesn't work for them anymore, that still has an Indeed account under that company, went in, took a job posting, and put that language in. This screams to me that someone forgot to take out that text that said, white and don't share with candidates. Like, Why would the ex-employee go in and put something like that? This is a fishy, fishy story. What's your thought, Shelly? Well, do you know when I first caught it on Twitter and I thought, oh, it's just another one of those urban legends. Like who would be that stupid? <laughs> well, so listen, accidents happen. Something that we know is super common is you take an old job ad and you don't even read it. Well, it was posted before. I'm just going to post it again or worse they took the old job ad when they were doing their intake with the hiring manager, they made notes on it and forgot to delete their notes. You know what? Shit happens. Mistakes happen. What's undeniable is that is a reflection of what was actually said. You can't walk that back because of saying, don't share this with candidates. <laughs> There's no other reason that would be put in there because you are truly a racist organization. There's no way to walk this back. I no, don't care. What and they've come back and say they're minority owned. They've tried to walk it back, but this seems extremely fishy. And I agree. I, this was a conversation and there's a note that was put in there or someone wrote this and sent it to the recruiter thinking, oh, they're going to take that off. But obviously they did not. So shame on them. I don't believe any other bullshit. Like, how do you come up with a determined statement saying it was a junior recruiter and we fired that person and the next day? be like, oh, actually, it wasn't a junior recruiter. It was an ex-employee. So you fired the back. wrong person yesterday? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? What happened to <laughs> I that know, junior that's what recruiter? I thought. All right. Let's move on to the next recruitment insight. So the last one, Serge, you know, I'm a huge fan of studies and reports and trends. There is a 2023 recruitment trends report that really drilled down on the phenomenon that we've been seeing the last, say, 18 months, and that is offer acceptance rates. Candidate ghosting was something we had never experienced before. 
where someone had accepted your offer of employment and then just didn't even show up and didn't call to say, I've taken something else. This study is starting to measure like what is the average offer acceptance rate? And is there a gap between different types of roles within an organization? And let's start tracking this over time. And for the first time, we're seeing some real information around, is it as bad as we think it is? And the fact is, when you start looking at averages, it's not. The phenomenon of ghosting is something we saw spike. But when you look at it from a broader lens, it's really not the rampant characterization of a certain generation. A lot of recruiters and companies said, oh, well, it's just these young people that don't want to work. And I know we've talked about that a lot. There's some really cool things, though, that came out of this about what are some of the metrics and trends to watch for in 2023 in talent acquisition. Time to offer. Time to hire and the candidate experience. That's not new. Interviews per hire. That's a metric I don't think I've seen published very frequently or very often. Running a recruitment team something I know that as a recruiter gets better, your interviews per hire should drop. Don't know many companies that track it though. Applications per job, especially when the job is first posted. I would love to track that over time. Anything in this study here, Serge, that you found super interesting? Those are the few things that that I would love to watch in 2023. Yeah, so offer acceptance rates is is one thing that I've measured my whole career in talent acquisition. It's probably the most critical one you should measure, right? If your offer acceptance rate at an organization is 60, 50%, you're basically wasting a lot of time. And I'm going to disagree a little bit with you that we have not seen the impact of these numbers dramatically going down. And the numbers show, look, it's been steady the last 18 months. Yes, but the one aspect, and it is the most competitive feel when it came to hiring, at least the last couple of years, is the technical roles. Yes. Technical roles were down 20% compared to other business role. And that to me is very significant. So say the average is around 75%, technical roles are 55%. That's a huge issue in a market where that talent was extremely competitive, meaning that we weren't doing our job as recruiters. Because if we get to the point that we're offering someone and we're getting 45% people saying no, I think that's my biggest concern. If you drill down to the micro instead of the macro, and tech has been a perfect example of really a tough time in the last couple of years to get them to accept offers. Agreed. Agreed. Do you think that's going to change now? I know we've talked about layoffs since January in the tech sector specifically, and we know the reasons why. You know, it's very noble of you, Serge, to say that this is a recruitment problem I mean, declined offers, you're right. I think a competent recruiter, you should monitor and measure your success by a low declined offer rate. But some of it was driven by this frenzy in the market. And now that we're seeing the demand for tech is cooling, the companies are not hiring at that frantic rate that they were before. Do you think it's now going to kind of normalize in terms of offer acceptance rates? 
I think it will normalize to a certain level, but still to the earlier point, the unemployment rate in the tech industry is 1.5%. There is still a lot of really qualified people that in this sector could get 10 to 15 job offers if they just said, hey, I'm looking for a new role. But yes, overall, the whole industry has calmed down and really the top players, yeah, it's not going to change. But that messy middle and the bottom tier of those types of employees, yeah, their options are going to be a lot more limited. So they are going to take that job. I guess those are the things that we got to keep measuring. And I was actually a little bit surprised that it was so high. Like 76%, I think, is the standard across everyone. And that is not what I've been hearing in organizations that I've been working on. Like we've been part of it where we're hearing 50, we're hearing 60%. If you're a good recruiter, man, you got to be above 90%. Like I get it tech, maybe I'll give you a lot more leeway, but if you're getting three to four of your offers being rejected, like what are you doing wrong? Are you not talking about salary at the right time? It's a couple of key factors. So we'll Mm -hmm. keep an eye on it. And then looking at things you mentioned that we should be measuring, I agree applications per job is an interesting one because we've seen that lowered and it really shows your recruitment marketing efforts of, hey, are you putting the right dollars in the right places? Is your message consistent? Do you have good branding? I think we'll see that. But I think that's enough for today. I'm quite tired of talking about recruitment. About metrics? And about metrics. <laughs> I know. We're so opposite. I'm like, oh, let's talk about time to offer. Don't you think we should measure time to offer? Oh, yeah. Are hey, you ready? To, yeah. I, time to offer. I Actually, I should have mentioned that one because yeah. I agree. Time to offer is probably more important than time to fill and time to hire, right? This is where we struggle. Like if you have the right person and you're taking two weeks to offer them, it's your fault. You're an idiot. You can't make a decision. You know what? I think time to offer, I love this as a new and trending metric in talent acquisition because again, is it the recruitment process, not the recruiter? Because recruiters don't make the final decision. No. But if you as an organization, we wrapped up interviewing three weeks ago and we still don't have a decision, or it takes three weeks to get it approved, then you need to examine the sequence of events within your recruitment process. Having a time to offer metric is something to keep an eye on. I like that. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Another great episode, Shelly. Summer is here. I am ready. I've no. got my Speedo ready to okay, go. Well, I'm bringing it to Vegas. You'll see me at the Caesars Palace pool. And listen, audience, I'll get pictures of it and they'll be showing up on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye now. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.